two experts in ICF. Yeah. Decades of experience. Uh-huh. One podcast, yeah. two hosts with a lot to say. Look, I cannot sit through a struggle. I gotta get up and hustle. I gotta push through the pain, because really that's how you build muscle. Welcome to the Build with ICF podcast with your hosts, Trevor Brown and Heather Herring Brown. Yep. They're a package deal. With over 20 years of ICF installation experience, Trevor can throw down some expertise on sales, marketing, and training. On the other side of the table sits Heather, a.k.a. the girl boss. And she's earned the title as the owner of an award-winning ICF construction company, a drafting and design company specializing in ICF. And the numbers? With a master's in accounting, she does that too. Sleeves up, boots on. This is the Build with ICF podcast. I don't want nothing for free. I'm here to work. I've been through the dirt. I've been through the dirt. Yeah. Hello. And we're back. We are. I'm excited today. This is going to be a good podcast. Yeah. It's been something that, again, we're episode 13. I did check this time. Oh, good job. Mostly because you reminded me to check. But anyway, so episode 13. And kind of just making our way through some of these, we're going to try to alternate in, you know, interview ones with just some that were kind of Q&A ones that we're getting from DMs and people on our, on the website and stuff. So this is just going to be the two of us. Sorry, you're stuck with just us today. I know, but it's going to be a good one because this question comes up every single week after our podcast airs. Then we've had so many questions on it. We just, we, we figured we needed to get something out now rather than waiting down the line when we could have somebody come on and talk about it as well. Yeah. I just, uh, so basically what we're going to get into today is waterproofing. Yes. So it's probably one of the most asked questions. Of course, I keep saying this about everything. I think <laughs> seems like we're getting a lot of questions. So it seems like they're all the most asked questions, but the one thing about it is that I started thinking about them. Like, you know, we probably need to do just a one-on-one, you know, kind of like what, waterproofings are available without getting into anything specific about the actual brands because the goal would be to actually bring the brands on later or it is going to happen we've already got some of those lined up so we'll have uh, manufacturers and different people and different styles of of, uh, waterproofing companies come on but it's not really fair to ask them to talk about whether their options are out exactly. there and things yeah. like that. So I think it's important for us to put an episode out there first. It's basically like, okay, here's the basics of waterproofing ICF. Again, we're not experts. We we have waterproofed a lot of, of things. We've done worked with a lot of different styles of waterproofing. We do actually actively waterproof, have waterproofing crews that go out and do waterproofing. So, but Trust me, I, I read. I'm I'm a regular commenter. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have seen me in the in the Facebook groups and stuff. And it's it's pretty comical how you can get people arguing about you know no matter what I say, there's going to be people that are going to oppose what I say about different things. So it's a very opinionated subject. I think the waterproofing thing it gets people you know heated about different options. So I think what we're going to try to do is I'm going to try to put it out there in the most unbiased way of different styles of waterproofing and then it's going to be up to the listener to go out and do that research and hopefully with us we'll be able to have those different episodes that you'll be able to follow up later after this episode yeah to do some research on your own well and i think that maybe one of the easiest ways is just to kind of go through our own evolution of what we've used ourselves right 
Yeah, because I mean, you would, that's the one thing nobody can dispute is our own opinion of what we have yes. used. So yeah, <laughs> I think it's it's easily you know it's one of those things that we can talk about our experience and just and for what it's worth, we'll talk about the things that we you know even some of the things that we've we've seen out there that we you know maybe don't have total familiarity with that we'll be definitely trying to get them on and get more information. And two, the, I expect this to prompt questions. I'm hoping that this episode will prompt a lot of DMs and, and, and emails from people asking, you know, more specific questions about something that we touched on. So I think we basically can start out with kind of the, what I would call the three basic, I would almost say there's four now options for waterproofing. Five, if you count nothing. If you just <laughs> well, don't that's what I was, that's what I was just going to say. Be five. I was going to say, because there's a lot of people out there that say you don't need waterproofing. True. So let's touch on that first. This is a very geographic question. Yes. I have, I've, you know, like I've said, I've, I've covered a lot of, I covered 11 states for my territory when I was in territory management. I've done trainings in probably more states than that, but we've done certain states. I'm not picking on Wyoming, but I always bring up Wyoming because it's been some of the craziest things I've seen that have been in Wyoming and, and no offense. I love Wyoming. So if you're listening from there. This is nothing about you. There's just not a lot of codes and a, and a lot of building officials in a lot of those areas. And and as everyone knows, ICF is very popular in remote areas. So remote, we are a very strongly based remote area type product. And that, that's where we've always done better at. I mean, I think that's changing. I think we're going to see more and more with the with different building techniques that we're seeing. But I do think that, you know, some of the stuff I've seen in Wyoming, people are just not, you know, they're, they're, they're perfectly fine doing something that's not being inspected. It's some of the areas I've seen the least amount of rebar in walls. Mm-hmm. I've seen, you know, different styles of ICF that you don't see other places. And I've definitely seen people not even waterproofing things because it's not required. And and I've, I will tell you this, in my own personal experience, I've seen some of those houses that are great 20 years down the road. No water leaks. They don't, you know. People argue, and like I think this is their frame of thought, because if you're hearing this going, oh, my God, how would they do that? They would actually think. That's a monolithic piece of concrete. It is, you know, it's got foam on the outside, foam on the inside. I mean, how is water getting through that? You're right to a, a point, right? I mean, the concrete does, you know, is pretty good at holding water in. A lot of old water towers, swimming pools, dams are made out of concrete. You know, I mean, that's, I've heard a lot of these arguments. People say, well, the Hoover Dam, you know, okay. A little bit different structure. There's there's different things with an ICF though. I say will require IC, require waterproofing. Is the webs in the concrete do create a possible passageway of water getting through? It's very minute. It'd be very hard. It's not easy because they're sealed off mm-hmm. with the EPS and different things that are very well molded together. But hypothetically speaking, there is a path through the concrete via you know a you know, a, a web or something. So I do suggest that everybody uses waterproofing. There's people out there who say you don't need it. You're right. It's, it's pretty damp proof itself, you know, which is a term that I guess we got to get out there too, is it's there's a proofing. different difference between damp proofing and waterproofing. A lot of your standard basements and crawl spaces that you see are just damp proof. They're not waterproof. That's very, very common in the stick frame business to just have a guy that sprays on with usually with an orchard sprayer. They just come and they spray on a black oil based product that will basically spray on and kind of seal the cracks, if you will. And primarily what it's trying to seal is that cold joint between the stem wall and the footer. That's your 
that's the super freeway for water. That's where a lot of problems come in. So, so they're just basically trying to seal that off and seal any kind of cracks and holes on it and, and it, you know, color the concrete black a little bit. And, and that's what you'll see on most conventional job sites. That is a damp proofing. That is not a waterproofing. And we're seeing a huge shift even in the stick frame market that they are getting away from that and wanting to go to a true waterproofing in a lot of codes. So that's something that is you know, going to change even in their world, let alone ours. So there are different levels of, of waterproofing slash damp proofing. And, and it starts with liquid. That's your, your first, I always said, I guess the first one is no waterproofing. The first one is no water. Yeah. The second one would be liquid waterproofing. So a spray on a lot of people, you know, give rubber wall is a, is, is a brand out there and, and we'll hopefully have them on the, the podcast to talk about their product. There are, you know, that are either spray on applicated, roll on applicated or brushed on. And, you know, in the past I've used that product in like restricted space areas yes. was where I used a lot of it. You know, I mean, we did back in the day, I mean, this is a long time ago, but we, we were doing a lot of house lifting or jacking up a house and then putting a basement under it in a historic district where we lived. And so there was, it kind of got popular for the people to come in and buy these old historic houses, jack them up, put more living space under them because you couldn't remodel or expand the house outside. So that became real popular for quite a few years. We did that. And when you would do that, there was a lot of limitation to being able to get somebody down in the hole to put the waterproofing on the outside. So that became a very good option was to roll it on with a long stick and roller yep. and, and give you some sort of protection, even though it wasn't, you know, a material or a, a solid material like, like other options. So that was something that was used quite a bit. The next basic, you know, one would be a peel on or a peel and stick. We call it um, a lot of different brands of peel and stick out there. And the, the, you know, basically I think everyone's probably seen something like that. It's a bitch of thing. It's basically usually sold in a couple different options as far as winter and, and summer. Mm-hmm. It's like fly paper. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, it'll take the hair off your arms. Trust me. You stick your, yeah. <laughs> stick your arm to it. It will peel the hair off your arms. Probably the most commonly used. Yes. I would say that, I mean, and again, I'm not, I'm not exact on this, but it's probably 80% of the market. I would say is probably peel and stick. And you can all debate that in the comments, but I, I do think it's uh, it's probably close to that, 75 to 80%. And then you've got, past that, you've got your most common would be like a dimple board yep. or rigid, you know, so that's a hard plastic or a harder plastic, not as flexible basically, but it's a dimple board that gives you kind of, or a rain mat, some people call it, depending upon where you're at in the country, that basically will give you more of a rigid application of, of keeping things out. I would say there's a, a a new product out there that kind of falls between those two, and they will be also be a, a host on here or a guest on here. And we have we do use this product on our ours is a composite waterproofing. Right now, is the only one really doing that is Hulk System. Not a plug for them. I'll let Brandon plug them when he comes on himself. But we we are using that actively, and I think it's. In, to, if interesting to talk about because it is a kind of a hybrid of the two. It's a liquid that then you put a membrane or you put a quartz infused fiberglass textile in the liquid. You know, squish it into the liquid as a as a uh, compile basically as a what do you call it a textile or it's a text- yeah, yeah it's a textile that you that you it's put- fiberglass mat but it's it's not like fiberglass that you put on stucco that you can see through it. It's no. it's a 
it's almost like a sheet, you know, a silky sheet. It squishes in, and then you put your another layer of liquid on top. That forms a composite because it's a two-part system. It's actually liquid and comp- and the material, the SRT. So that does make it a composite. The interesting thing about it is once it hardens, it's flexible, like a like a Suprema or, or like a, a peel and stick, but you can't punch a hammer through it. Like you yeah. can't, you know, that's kind of what they're famous for is their hammer test that you've seen on, you know, people seeing on YouTube, but you can't put a hammer through it. And, and, you know, in all fairness, like that's a pretty big deal. You know, the, the, you know, the other brands like they, you can't do that with any of the other things. So it's kind of an interesting thing. That's why I want to have them on. We're going to talk about them. That's why we've started using, them. but again, not an ad for them. Just kind of that, other option. Okay. So you've gone through the different, the different types that there are. So now let's go back to, you know, a lot of people ask us, well, why can't I use the same thing that they use on a traditional foundation? Why can't I just use that? I don't even know what it's called, that oil mm-hmm. or Tar- like a, or a Henry's right. roof sealant or something like that. Why can they not use that on an ICF block? It eats it is a big part of it. We just, we're laughing because you're asking this question after you just <laughs> Told me about a video. Hey, hey, it's a leading question. It is. It is. But it's funny. Yeah, you can Google that, and there's pictures of it on on there where basically it just eats the foam. I mean, you you just you know what's it's you just need to be aware that oil based products will you know petroleum based products will eat into the foam, and so you know. Believe it or not, I've had people argue with me and say, "Oh, it doesn't matter if it eats a little of the foam. At least it's sealing it." I'm like, I don't think it's actually sealing it. Anyway debatable but yeah just just really really need to make sure that this is a product that will work on the foam and, and it's just as simple as this i'm i'm not an expert on this and i'm not a scientist i can't remember all the exact terms of what you need to look for on the label but it's just as simple as trying it out first you know yeah. don't go buy a bunch and just start spraying it on go take a sample piece or say you get a piece out of your you know your your you know garbage or whatever broken piece of block and and put it on there and see how it reacts don't just like just don't don't go just spray it on your whole you know no, no. basement or whatever yeah and so i mean it's it's very much you know it's it's very much possible that you could tear, it'll just eat all the foam off it and you'll have a bunch of webs and concrete sticking out but it, it's usually not that aggressive i mean it's a little bit of an exaggeration but it will definitely bubble up and it will create a very ugly looking surface that's hard to cover and deal with but no, you don't want to do that. You want to stick with something that is water-based, something that can, you know, or that can at least be applied to ICF. And there, there's so many brands out there anymore. I mean, I just, before we jumped on here, I just Googled it just to see, you know, in today's world, ICF is so popular. Things are happening so much that it's it's not, it's, it's pretty easy just to Google ICF waterproofing and find a whole bunch of options. And you're going to see, you know, the different ones. To kind of go back and like tell, you know, the, the, pros and cons of, of them as far as, and again, in my opinion and in my experience with them, starting with the, the liquid waterproofing. Liquid waterproofing is is great for speed. It's great for, you know, tight locations to get into. If you, if you want to, you can have, you know, apply it with a sprayer. You can apply it with a roller. Like there's a lot of different options for that. The biggest downfall to a liquid is the, is the fact that you're putting it on EPS that is, not necessarily a solid substrate behind it. So what we see where we have problems, at least in the West, is a lot of our soils are really rocky. 
even the backfield they bring in is usually got some rock in it. It's usually not the best and it's not sand or it's not dirt. It's usually some form of drain rock they're putting in. And most of our drain rock is not round. Mostly it's, it's shale rock or it's shards of, of rock. So what they do is they end up punching holes in it yep. because as you can imagine, you can spray something on a piece of foam and then you can, you know, push a, 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 a rock or whatever with your hand right through it because it's not solid. Now the liquid that why it works on a concrete is because concrete's hard. So it doesn't allow for that give in the liquid to get, you know, to actually fail. It will just hold strong because it's painted onto, you know, you got 20 mils. It usually liquid is usually a dries to half of what you apply it. So that's another big thing to know. If you're wanting to get 20 mil of a liquid, you know, waterproofing on your wall, you need to make sure you're applying 40 mil wet. Most any paint place or anywhere you're maybe even buying the waterproofing should have a, a mill tester, which looks like a little credit card and you can just put it right on the wall and you can check everything. Our guys have one in their pocket and they basically have to check the mill on it to make sure because you want to be spraying 40 plus mill to make sure you're getting a 20 mil on the, on the dried product. So even with that, you know, you're going to, you're going to have, you know, you're, you're at the, you know, you're at the, I don't know. Every time I pause on a word, you turn your head like it. You're like you, I'm thinking it I'm, makes me like we're no, it's uh, you're at the mercy. There we go. You're at the mercy of the product that you're pl- applying it to. So it, the the concrete wall is actually really strong. So the product that you put on it is going to stay pretty strong. Unfortunately, the the foam that we have on there, the the EPS is usually somewhere between a pound and a half and two pounds pressure on it, and you've got uh, you know. You can push your finger into it, so you can imagine a rock will push into it, right? And it's great. That's why we want it to be kind of soft like that. That's what gives it its, its R value, and that's what gives it the insulation value and stuff. So you don't want it to be super hard, but it it will affect how that liquid will work. So there. that being said, there's areas of you know different geographic areas where you don't have to worry about rocks a whole lot. You're not worried about something punching a hole in it, and the liquid's going to work really, really good. And, and obviously way better than the first option of nothing. It's usually price effective. It's usually the lesser price uh, option of, of the three. Labor-wise, it's usually really, you know, affordable. Yep, correct. And then so, you get into you get into our market, yeah. and, and we can talk about, you know, from experience there, <clears throat> because of the rocks that we have, and, and when we do basements, we do, you know, a foundation drain around them and, and all that stuff. We go with, or we, we started using a peel and stick, and the peel and stick is very effective, it's not the easiest to work with, in my opinion. I got stuck to it several times trying to yeah, help messy. install it. It's messy. Yeah. But it does work very well, stays in place. When when they're backfilling, the rocks are not going to puncture it and go through it. I shouldn't say it's messy. It's not actually. It's very clean. It's not messy. Yeah. It doesn't get anything on you. It just sticks to you. Yeah. If you don't, yeah, if you're not paying attention. Probably people do it a lot, and they're listening to us, and they're thinking these guys are idiots. <laughs> they just picture us rolling around wrapped yeah. in peel and stick. I found that it was wrap. easier on basements than it was on crawl spaces. Yeah, and some way, yeah, you can drop it down. Yeah, yeah. It just depends. It just it just depends. Yeah, it just depends. But and usually you'll see these. Like I mean, I think we've you know just so you know kind of what we're talking about. Usually they're they're logoed, so a lot of times you'll see them, and they'll have different brand names on them. Some of the some of the block companies actually private label them. So it'll say, you know, Nudura or Superform or, you know, Amvic, Foxbuck, where they'll have their own private label on the, on the, so a lot of times you'll see it and it'll be usually marked up like that. So if you've seen something with that on there, it's usually what you're looking at is the, is the peel and stick. 
It's usually kind of in a white color of some kind. Yeah. A lot of times it looks like Tyvek. Yeah, it does. And kind of covers up. You know, it's, it's, it's basically the, the really nice thing about it is, is it, it comes down in one solid piece from above grade down and then makes of that turn at the at that footer cold joint and goes over the edge of the footer and into your drain field right so the application of it is very uh, logical in the way that like the water hits the side you got hydrostatic pressure comes in from the dirt it hits the deal goes down and it drains down into the drain field so that's what gives people peace of mind And, and back to the liquid and i'm not trying to bang on liquid here but we the what some of the samples we have for our our waterproofing company we like to show people the difference between a a 20 mil sill and a 40 mil and the composite and different things and then just the damp proofing that they use the one really interesting thing to me is is that gap in the between the the stem wall and the footer if it moves at all you've completely lost your seal so which a lot of people don't know that the buildings move for years after they're built. The footing is going to sit one way in the in the stem wall or your basement wall or whatever you have that's coming down. Your vertical wall is going to sit another way on there, and it's not uncommon for them to travel an inch, yeah. you know, in in the movement and back and forth. That you know, it can frost, heave up in the winter, different things in the summer, settle back down. There's a lot of movement that I think people don't believe happens. And well, it's I, not noticeable a lot most times in the house. Correct. I mean, you, I guess you can hear the popping and cracking yeah. sometimes in an old wood house, and that that a lot of us that grew up in a wood house remember that that sound right yeah. of it popping or cracking as the temperatures or, changed or something. But yeah, or now what you would see in a house, you know, and within the first year is some drywall cracks or something, right, like stuff that like that. So, so the the house moves a little bit, and, a lot, and that's not all just the lumber or the walls moving. Even in an ICF house where you're not going to get any movement or sheetrock pops in the walls. You're going to run into that because the ground's going to move a little bit. Yeah. So, so that's just not uncommon. It's it's nothing to freak out about. It's just the way it is. The, the earth moves, things move, and you do physically have two joints there. Now, obviously, they're connected by rebar. They're not moving enough to break apart or shatter your your foundation or do anything weird. But you do need to think about that when you're waterproofing because the that that's got to stretch and move a little bit. Sorry, my phone started ringing, buzzing me. I had to oh. turn it off. Forgot to turn it off. But they, it will, it needs to travel a little bit. And so it needs to actually move. So that's something that's really good with like the Suprema is actually a very stretchy product. And even if the house moves a little bit, it's not going to break that seal. You're still going to have a, a, a cut, you know, a continuous waterproofing going down. Yeah. So, and then this is the thing with the, with the peel and stick, you know, it's going to, it starts up the wall below or, you know, above where you're going to start your siding so that your siding sits over the top of it so that when you're all finished with the house, rain hits the house, goes down the siding, and it doesn't get behind that that peel and stick. But then you have to do something there to finish that off as well. Yeah. The part, you know, you got to part coat that. Part so. coat it, or we've done, we've had several clients that we did metal um, yeah. along there. Just, just different options because otherwise you're going to see that white or whatever color peel and stick with those logos sticking out on it on that well we'll get well let's hit on that at the back and the end because that'll be our finishing comment because we have to do that with all of them so let's get let's get through so the 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 rigid board same thing right that's all gonna be the same but moving to rigid board most of it's black it's gonna be a black hard plastic like i said called dimple we call it dimple board and it's basically gonna roll out you can buy it in different sizes so you're going to buy it compared you know depending upon the size you need or the depth that you're covering because it is more expensive it's it's 
about the most expensive of the options that you have for waterproofing. So you, this is a premium product. It's very durable. It's very much designed for these, you know, rockier climates and things where you're dealing with some issues like that. It's, it's going to drain anything that gets, you know, behind it, which is one of the things they talk about, which I don't agree with totally. Cause then it gets the water coming down the wall behind it. But I've yeah. had people actually try to discuss that. That one's always been an interesting, which we'll, we'll get them on here and talk to them about that. Cause they call it a rain board or whatever, oh, you know, okay. like not sure how they, how they, what they do to get the water out of that point, but it, it's not something that we deal with a lot. There's something that we use a lot. I've used it one time. And say I've never, I've never used dimple 30 and yeah, 20 some odd years now I've used it one time. And that was a requirement because the rocky ground was so, so rocky. So, but it basically will, have a lot of different trim pieces and stuff to go with that, which is what kind of drives the cost up. You've got like a trim piece at the top and you've got different molding, you know, the special screws with washers that, that lock into them that go together. Again, not very knowledgeable on this. So we're going to try to get somebody on to talk to you about that. But just so you see it out there, it's, it's usually something that you'll see mentioned in those groups a lot. And it's because it is like kind of the, the ultimate way to do it, right? Because everybody's wanting that durability as yeah, everybody wants it to be strong. And I've even seen guys say, well, I use, I'm, I, I'm not kidding. I know guys that use all three. They're like, well, water's the devil and we don't want anything in here. And it is. So they're willing to, they waterproof, they do a peel and stick and they, and even on the peel and stick, you only back up peel and stick. Peel and stick actually does have a primer too. This is a debate that I get from people all the time. I know most of the guys I know don't, use the primer they just stick it right to the wall or like myself i buy winter grade year round because it's just stickier i don't have any problem i you know keep our jobs pretty clean it, you know like we wash them off before we seal them so but i have had people say no 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 you have to have the primer we've sold a lot of primer to people people let you know there is a primer product a lastomatic type primer that goes on it first that will make it adhere better so that's something to throw in there too for the peel and stick but I've had people that will do all of them and they'll stick everything up there and then they put the dimple board on top, you know, yeah. and I, they, whatever, if you got the money to do that and that's the best way to do it, I think that's super great. The one thing that we run into going back to what you started to talk about there is we still have this issue that we have to, to, to deal with between the siding slash stucco, whatever, you know, you're doing for your, your wall covering above grade to where you're going to cut the waterproofing off at grade. So you've got that that area that's explode that exposed. So you're going to need to make sure that you're covering that with some sort of like parge coat or like you said, we've done metal has become very popular. People doing sheet metal because it actually will kind of just if you just buy galvanized sheet metal, it patinas out to the and it looks kind of cool, real cool rust look. Mm-hmm. I've seen guys use the fake stone, you know, to cover that area and basically, you know, they're basically you're just trying to get a rain plane that goes over top of the waterproofing so that you're kind of covering that seal so that anything that does come down the wall runs down over the top of the waterproofing and then down into your drain field. Because we can't take siding all the way down to the dirt. Right. Yeah. Stucco, you can't by siding, code. whatever can't by code, you can't. Yeah, you can't take it to the dirt. So it's got to have something that you're going to cover with. So we refer to it as a parge coat. Most companies, you know, do sell a hand mix, you know, a, a, a powder. You know, usually it's a B2000, Durarock B2000 or something like that, that they will, you know, sell you in a bag and you mix it up and you trowel it on. And it's usually a three-step. It's a, you know, you trowel on a coat and then you trowel on some fiberglass mesh, the, the see-through stuff. And then, and then 
towel on your top coat and it's going to turn gray and look like concrete. So therefore, you know, as you're driving by, it looks like a, a, a standard foundation. Standard foundation. Yeah. I mean, nobody's going to even know it's a ICF foundation by driving by and looking at it. So, but that's something that you have to do, you know, to cover that, that area. It serves two purposes. You're covering that area to get rid of the, the foam that will turn yellow if you leave it exposed. So don't yep. leave it exposed. It gets ugly. And then it's going to give you that, that drain that will cover over that, that, you know, whatever method you decide to use for waterproofing. Yep. And now to the last one that you were talking about, the the composite two-part system. Yeah, with Hulk. Yep. The interesting thing about Hulk is that we use it because we can order it in concrete gray. So we're actually spraying our waterproofing and our parge coat in one system. We don't need a drain shield because it's hard enough that you can't put a hammer through it. So, I mean, it, it and and I mean that like I literally, you know, we we send people samples. I call them hammer samples that we have. They're little twelve by twelve squares of ICF with the Hulk on it, and we let them hit them with a framing hammer as hard as they want. We do them at trade shows. Yep. We do all that stuff. So, you know, I think people just like to hit stuff with hammers, but it gets them to do it. Yeah, and I mean, and you'll hammer that thing. I mean, we've gone through some samples, and I mean, you'll hammer them until they actually till it comes off the ICF. The ICF behind it will break before the the waterproofing will. So. It's a different, like I said, very, very cool product. And we'll definitely have the the guys from Hulk on there. And I actually emailed or texted Brandon today to ask if he could jump on here on an episode with us, but uh, he was busy. So selling lots of Hulk, but we'll, we'll get them on there and, and, and we'll get everybody else on here. Cause I think everybody, I mean, there needs to be options out there again, not, not an ad for, for them, but it's, it's a very interesting new product. I would put it under kind of that new innovative product thing that, you know, not here to debate it with anybody. You guys can all go do your own research and look them up online and look up your different options for waterproofing and kind of see what you want to do and, and, and reach out to us. If you have any questions, I'm happy to, to give you what information I do have yeah, about what, it. What I was going to say with, with the Hulk, it does require some specialty equipment to install it. I mean, unless you're going to roll it on. Yes, yeah, you can roll you it if you want. It. Yeah. It, it would be time intensive to roll it on there, I think. Yeah, um, we, we run it with the sprayer. But. Yeah. So, so just, you know, there's, there's, I think there's pros and cons to every one of them and it depends on your, your environment, what your soil is like, and, and then, you know, the resources that you have and the level to which, you know, you need to, need to protect from water around your property. Yeah. And I think it's, like I said, everyone, everyone can take a look at the, you know, what your area requires. First of all, that's, that's your minimum. Yes. What's required. If you're not in an area that's requiring any kind of waterproofing, I still say to waterproof it because the bigger picture is this. Everybody goes, oh, I don't have a high water table. Oh, I don't have this. I don't have that. Well, you may have an idiot neighbor that leaves his sprinkler system on all night and the water may flow right down into your house. There may be a fluke rainstorm and you're, you know, I mean, we deal with this in, in more desert type climates like Arizona and, and places the, the ground is not able to absorb the water. Yeah. And so you end up with these really weird, you know, ways that the water runs, you know, just depending upon the the ground and the streets and everything else. So you, you don't know what is going to cause that leak. It's not always just natural water coming through the ground. And, you know, I, I don't. Probably could Google this too. I don't know what the odds are on, you know, or what the percentages are of natural water versus a water leak somewhere, you know, somebody's water main breaking or somebody's sprinklers being turned on or, you know, whatever it is to cause a, a water infiltration into your basement or, or crawl space. But you got to think beyond just the wall. So 
the one thing you can't fix, you can have the best waterproofing you want on there. We actually have seen situations where people came in after the fact and punched a hole through the <laughs> through the waterproofing to put in your cable TV or your internet or some, you know, security system. And they just, they think it's no big deal. They just drill a hole through it and then it's fine. Well, it's fine till the water comes down and, you know, you get rain or snow, even like snow packs up against the house and it's, it's just going right through this little quarter inch hole that was drilled to put wire through. And it's just a freeway for water to get in. And over time, that's usually how that, that happens. So other than, above and beyond putting a good waterproofing on, make sure you're sealing every penetration for years to come. I don't care if it's 10 year old house, 20 year old house, it's ICF or, you know, if you make a penetration in that, you know, drill a hole through that wall to put something in or attach something to the house, make sure you're caulking it and sealing it and making sure it's not getting water through it. So no amount of waterproofing is going to help you if you drill holes in something. That's true. That I do know is a fact. Okay. I'll stand on that one. Okay. Anything else you can think of uh, that came? Uh, questions have been asked. I mean, mostly people have just been asking, like, "Hey, what do you? What are my options for waterproofing? Yeah. And what do you guys do?" Really, that's, so, yeah, that's what are the options? Is it required? Like, I know we got one question. They did a monolithic slab and footings in one port to do a shop, and then they were going to set their block right on top of the concrete. So we got the question on that. On you know, do they need waterproofing? Uh, it wasn't required in their jurisdiction because there was no crawl space. It was a shop. You know, I know that we're going to go ahead and, and seal that cold joint anyways right. and do some waterproofing, but it, it if it's not, I mean, it's not required, but then again. It's not. And I would, I mean, that's an interesting one. And, and I think that's, that's where I would probably go more of a liquid waterproofing that would just seal that gap where you're basically attaching your ICF tube because water is going to run down that. The other option too, that I've seen people do, it's really a good idea is just putting a flashing, you know, yep. a D metal at the bottom of that when you're putting it on a slab that's going to have a lip, you know, sticking up because you just don't want to. I mean, it's you can't tell by the naked eye. It's really hard to tell if you've got a little bit of an angle there to where it's going to catch water and it's just going to kind of creep back underneath your your block maybe. So I would always suggest that to put some sort of waterproofing even on that, even on a slab situation like that to seal that better than just letting it sit, you know, more so than just letting it sit there. But, you know, and again, that's, you know, not another plug, but you know, that's the thing about Hulk is we could spray it gray and it would actually, then that way, whatever you're bringing down for your siding would cover right down to that. And it would seal that joint too. And you just look like gray concrete. It can it blend right in with the slab? So something like that would be beneficial. I don't know that I do like a pill and stick on that situation. I think I'd probably more so go with something, either a metal or a, you know, something to seal that gap. But no, I think that's about it. I mean, we, we really did want this to be pretty basic and, and I'm not, you know, we're not doing this to say this, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent of what these are. This is just kind of to educate you on some of the options. And now you can go online and take a look at those options and see what you can, you can see. And obviously the reason we're doing this is to answer questions. We want people to reach out to us. So if you have a question on, if you have a question on anything that we've said, feel free to shoot us a DM and, and, you know, at build with ICF and reach out to us on our email info at build with you can even send messages through most of the podcast platforms and stuff. They will allow you to send a message to us that we, we will get. That leads us to the other thing is just asking 
the only way we're doing this, we're not really spending a lot of money to promote this. We're not doing anything. This is all just out of our own pocket. We're not pocket. spending any money to promote we're, it. We're just yeah, <laughs> this is out of our own time and money. We haven't got any big sponsors yet. We're waiting. We should be here in any day, but uh, <laughs> we, we are definitely trying to get you know, the word out to people. So it, please share this on any groups that you're in on Facebook, share it on, you know, just any, any comments that you have about it, please, you know, put it out there for us and share it on Instagram, share it on LinkedIn is a big one. I've been getting a lot of people that are catching it off of our LinkedIn posts. So, you know, if you've got people in the industry that, you know, or people that are just in the construction business that want to learn a little bit about this, please share the podcast. It really helps us grow our, our listenership and, and, and it just leads to more better questions and things that we're getting from from everybody the more people listen the more ideas we're getting for different episodes and stuff so we're going to continue we've got a big list we're continuing to bring in different icf block suppliers we're continuing to bring in more and more products that are related to the industry that we found through different avenues world of concrete and different things like that so we're headed on the road to to the IBS show, which this will actually probably air right after we get back yep. from IBS, from the which is not irritable bowel syndrome, like we said on the last podcast. It is the International Builder Show in Las Vegas, which is another big chance for ICF to showcase itself in with all the stick frame guys and is a really, really important show for, for our industry, for people to get down there and be able to, to showcase that. So excited to go down there. We're going to see some people we know down there. And, well, and, and lots, of, lots of educational opportunities and different things just to, to learn the latest and greatest in, in building and and see how we can implement all that into ICF as well. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I might even have some more information when we get back because I did I got appointed to a, a national council or committee on building systems. Basically, asked me to come in and and you know we're gonna basically try to educate more people at the NAHB level on different options other than stick frame and building with firewood. And so I'll be able to sit in a room with a a bunch of other guys that are trying to to change minds. So that'll be really fun to kind of hear about that. And then I did uh, mark a couple of little, they had some some classes, I don't know what they call classes, but speakers that were talking about uh, concrete construction. So we're going to go to a couple of those and just hear what people are saying about it. So excited to learn some more and hopefully bring that back to our listeners and, and talk about it. And it might even lead to more guests that we can have on here. So It always does. <laughs> we always find someone to come on. So thank you, everybody. I'm a little, I sound a little funny today. It's because i am been sick for the last few days and my voice is a little bit shot doing a lot of cough drops to get through these episodes, but and I'm a little drugged up. So if I sound dopey and can't find my words very you good, sound normal. it's because no. I'm all drugged up. So I apologize, but I'm on the road to recovery. I'm feeling better. Hopefully you better tomorrow. So anyways, want to thank everybody for listening. It's like I said, I am overwhelmed by the success so far of this podcast. It's been a super fun ride and, and just getting a lot of appreciation from people and, and it's, it's just been awesome. So we really look forward to just continuing to grow it and uh, provide more information about insulated concrete forms to everybody. And so I um, really look forward to the, to the next episode and getting another one out there and just making it that much better for everybody. So, all right, until next time, then follow us on our socials. Build with ICF. All right. Thank you. <laughs>